welcome back to another edition of YCT Matters. This is Carol Platt-Lebow, the president of Yankee Institute, and we're delighted to be joined once again by Jack Horak. As you know, we had a first edition of YCT Matters with Jack, and he was such an interesting guest that we knew that we needed to come back for a second chapter. And Jack has been a very well-known attorney, especially up here in the Hartford area. What we are going to talk about today is, of course, more about his work with nonprofits. Having had a storied career in the law, Jack left his thriving law practice, the practice he developed at the firm specializing in nonprofits, to go off and develop this work more. And what is going to be uh, the topic of the podcast is to find out a little bit more about why and about this whole uh, direction that he took the practice in a further direction to try and succeed at uh, being helpful to nonprofits, the principles that he has developed and articulated, the text, and, and really um, has done a lot that is of help and of service to nonprofits, but really of particular relevance to those who care a lot about civil society and the contributions that nonprofits in general uh, make to our communities, to our country. So, Jack, welcome back, and thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Carol. It's always a pleasure. So, Jack, can you talk with us a little bit? What informed your thinking to leave a thriving practice in this area you had developed? And tell us what led you to do it and how you decided to expand this work. Yeah, thank you, Carol. Um, you know, as I emphasized in our first session, um, I, the historical, historical record shows that what I will call the American nonprofit sector um, is, a is a unique phenomenon in terms of culture um, and law. Um, it, it evolved in the fertile soil of America after the colonial days, um, and it's grown to become a major part of our economy and our culture. Um, and I philosophically have a strong belief in this marvelous sector, this marvelous economic and cultural and legal phenomenon. And, and I think it contains many of the answers to, you know, problems and issues of social welfare, the betterment of humanity. Um, and I think the nonprofit sector is uniquely positioned to do and make a lot of progress on those issues more so than government. So I, I really see the nonprofit sector as the alternative to turning over responsibility for cultural and you know other human issues into in, in to, to government agencies and, and the bureaucracies that run them. Um, and, and I felt strong enough about this that I had done a lot of law, but I wanted to preserve in some form both my, my passion, you know, my, for, for the nonprofit sector as an alternative to big government. Um, and also, to, to, I wanted to teach things that I think are sorely lacking in the nonprofit sector. And those things all revolve around directors, boards of, boards of directors, management, financial statements, how to call meetings, how to do things because nonprofits operate in a very 
complicated world. They are as complicated to run and manage legally and financially as any for-profit of comparable size, period. It's absolutely true. They are as regulated and hard to do as, as any businesses. So I left and joined Tango with the idea with the cons for two things. One is to to write down to write a book to to memorialize both my philosophical support for the sector and to teach those nuts and bolts things that nonprofits need to be able to do well to operate. And the nuts and bolts that I think they need to learn have nothing to do with the mission. I mean, we're not talking in my book about how to solve child poverty or you know racial injustice. It's all nuts and bolts ways to do run an organization dedicated to those missions. And so I see that you know you talk a little bit about how the textbook really deals with nonprofit law and then governance, which is how to run pretty much your board procedures, correct? And then yes. taxation and finance. And I think, you know, for people who may not have a lot of board experience in their day-to-day lives, those things really are important. I mean, Yankee Institute pays a lot of attention uh, what you may do and may not do to maintain your 501c3 tax-exempt status. And then there are certain board procedures. And then the whole taxation thing, making sure you keep your records. And then finance. I mean, all these things matter a lot. Yeah, no matter whether you're a child welfare agency or an intellectual think tank like, like Yankee, um, it's the, the same principles apply. And and look, the, and honestly, what I saw in my years of practice, were, I said this last time, a lot of boards and management teams that really weren't hitting on all cylinders. They really there was a lack of rigor in in on both sides. And I was a pretty ad, pretty firm advocate for trying to introduce rigor into into nonprofit operating systems. Um, and look, and more importantly, like I said in the book, if you look at the, the big picture, I, I maintain that nonprofit organizations and businesses are equally important to the health and welfare of their communities. You need job and wealth creation activity in the for-profit sector, but the natural analog to that is. Is, is what I call nonprofit organizations, which exist to pay attention to things in the community other than, you know, making money by selling goods and services um, at a profit. And, and, and you need both. And, and in my mind, both are equally responsible to their communities to do a good job. If you're a business, you should do a good job, employ people, pay them well, be a good, be a good corporate citizen in your community. And if you're a nonprofit, you are also responsible for doing a good job. Don't just tell us, you know, and, and show us you're doing a good job with some metrics. You know, show us how you're, you're that you're that you're well managed, that you've got a balance sheet that balances, that your board is doing its job. Because if you're not doing those things, I don't want to give you any support, right? Frankly, and 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 there's a lot of that in the non. I call it hiding behind the mission. You know, it's like we're here to solve the problem of childhood poverty in the world, right? Good for good. That's good. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if so, give us because of what we're doing. The answer is no, I'm going to give to you if you can prove to me in some type of fashion that you've got your act together, you know, that you're not getting sued by your employees, that you're operating the way you're supposed to operate, um, keeping the books and and doing the things that are necessary to be a success. And, you know, that's interesting because that's something government really doesn't do a lot. No. You know, they, they depend on the worthiness of their mission to overcome their failure to do things like balance their books or show that they're cost effective and 
I think that's somewhere where a lot of nonprofits really do um, put baby in the corner, as they would say, uh, in a cultural reference. I think that's true. And, and I mean, I, I look, there's, there's goofy stuff in this sector, too. Like, I can remember one time I was driving to Boston, I think, and I saw or, I saw, or I heard two different nonprofit solicitations. One was soliciting money to prevent childhood hunger, and the other was soliciting money to, to control obesity. Yeah, you know, I, you know, and 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 you know, Google those two con contrasting missions sometimes, and you'll see there's a lot of confusion about it. You know, um, and so those are the kind of questions I think people need to need. Those are the kind of hard questions that it's fair to ask of nonprofits in your community. You know, show us you're doing a good job with the money you have. Show us that you know how to operate. And if not, I'm not going to give you a, a donation. Sure. And so we have sort of touched then on, on the first two of the Tango nonprofit principles, correct? The, the fact that, number yeah. one, yeah. nonprofit organizations and business organizations are equally important to the health and welfare of their communities. And number two, nonprofit and business organizations are both responsible to the community for the successful fulfillment of the tasks within their mission or line of business as applicable. The third one to me is very interesting, this idea that nonprofits are operating enterprises with perpetual missions and finite resources, and they must be sensitive to the underlying tension between the two. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what I was starting to get at. I mean, look, to, to put this on a completely philosophical, almost metaphysical uh, plane, if you're making a manufacturer of widgets or you're selling widget services, it, it, it's, it's finite. I mean, it's a finite mission. You know, at the end of the year, we're going to sell products at a, at a, you know, sell our products or services, hopefully at a profit, and then move on to the next year. But when you think about it, if you're an, if you're a nonprofit organization dealing with some human issues, you know, domestic violence, injustice, right. pain and suffering, you know, all, all those great philosophical things that people have argued about for years, nonprofits are in the middle of that. And they have a finite, they're, they're finite entities, they're finite individuals, they have finite resources, yet the mission is actually perpetual in nature. And, and that turning point needs more thought than it gets. I mean, don't be, in other words, just to go back a little bit to the law, I don't know if I talked last time about the statute of charitable uses. I mean, it, it's a property law concept that started in England and applies today. And, and what the law says is that if you give a donation of property to one of these purposes, right, that property must in perpetuity, those are the words, in perpetuity, always be used to serve that purpose. You know, and 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 that perpetual restriction will be a, will be enforced by the courts. You know, you keep, and I think there's meaning to be found in the concept of legal perpetuity. Yeah. You know, in other words, there's a statement there that we are dealing with. We we are dealing with problems that that are really more a function of our human nature. Yeah. You know, than they are anything else. You know, and problems of the human nature have been the subject of religious and philosophical and other thought forever and ever. And nonprofit organizations fall right in the middle of that construct, th that debate. And um, to give you an example of how that plays out in um, real world, there are many times I've been advised, come to nonprofits that come, have come to me and they're in financial trouble. And they're, you know, and they're looking desperately for a way to survive, tapping their endowment, doing whatever it is they need to do. 
And what I've said, and I did this in a case, for example, of a child children's museum. I said, you don't understand. Your entity that runs a museum is one thing, but the mission of providing education to children is perpetual. <clears throat> and such that the best thing you could do as directors is to say, we should just dissolve and liquidate, take the money we have left and give it to another museum that does the same thing. That that's the way it, it really it really should yeah. work, you know. There's a difference between helping the mission survive and just keeping an institution itself going. Right. In other words, like take Yale, you know, the, the bazillion dollar endowment, right? I mean, if Yale, you know, when the money would still be used to provide educational services if the entity that was Yale, for some reason, I can't imagine ceased to exist. Right. Um, right. You know, and, and and that's what you're you're serving a perpetual mission. It's and it almost gets to be religious, yeah, you know, in the right. sense that you know it, we're dealing with suffering, human suffering, pain and suffering, and and betterment of humanity, all subjective. And so, your fourth principle is interesting to me because it states that businesses are accountable to their communities for the sale of quality goods and services at reasonable prices. Business organizations should also, directly and indirectly, provide meaningful financial and in-kind support to well-managed nonprofit organizations within the community. Yes. So you are implying, if not stating directly, that businesses have an obligation to support their local nonprofits. Yeah, they do. But I want to be careful about that because I don't want to be confused with this ESG concept that's <laughs> rattling around Wall Street now, which I abhor. Yeah, right. You know, it's the worst. Right. It really is. Because to me, that's just creating conflicts. You're creating, if you have a nonprofit, well, it's a conflict of issue issue for the directors, right? You know, and like there's a book that I highly recommend. I'm looking around my library here to see if I can find it. It's called Business as a Calling written by uh, Robert um, Novak, uh, who is a lay Catholic theologian. Yep. And I have given, uh, boy, I, I, I've given copies of his as gifts to probably 100 people over my life. He's a, he, Novak's an ardent capitalist, and he makes a magnificent argument for why capitalism and entrepreneurship is, is a calling. It, it serves a higher purpose. And that if you're if you're a nonprofit if you're a for profit and you're making widgets and you're doing it as a profit for profit and you're paying your employees well and you're paying your taxes and you're obeying the law you are doing more for the good of society than most not than many if not most nonprofit charitable entities but we don't think of businesses in that way and it's a you crime know? it's a crime that we don't um, what is the name of the book again. Jack? Now, business as a calling. Yes. This is Michael Novak. I always get the Novaks confused. It's been a while here. Um, but he's a, he's a lay Catholic theologian, and he makes he, look he he makes a point that, that that's always stayed with me, and that doesn't resonate as widely as I think it should in the nonprofit sector. It goes like this: uh, Imagine you're a nonprofit, and you have uh, an endowment of a few million dollars, and in that endowment, you've got shares of Coca-Cola stock for example right and you know endowments and for the most part are, are things that have to be distributed the law requires distributions of earnings from your endowment based on the overall value of your endowment right so the point he makes is that if you're holding coca-cola stock for each ratchet up in shares of those coca-cola uh equity holdings right you have to distribute more you have to distribute more to charity right 
think think about that equation. And so what I say is you as a nonprofit have an interest in all of your portfolio companies doing very, very of well. Course. And making money and distributing dividends, better to get the dividends for you to you as a nonprofit to uh, apply in the course of your mission than for the board of directors of Coca-Cola or some other company, you know, wrapped up in woke ESG thinking, wanting to change the world with your dividends, with money that really should go to shareholders. Agreed. And, um, you know, Robert Novak, I just would throw out also, I think he wrote a wonderful book called The Naked Public Square. Yeah, I think that, yes. And yes. it's great. I mean, he's a wonderful thinker and writer. And sometimes I, I think we've come way too far from, just to digress a tiny bit, from really giving honest work, honest stewardship of a business that provides value to people, the honor and respect it deserves. It's one more way that this leftism has taken over the culture and sort of insists that work can't be profitable and virtuous at the same time. Right, right. He makes sure that, that profit legally and lawfully and fairly earned is, right. is virtuous. It is. It, it's a virtue to create wealth where it didn't exist before. And the left's immediate inclination to attack wealth per se is, is bizarre. Well, it's cultural it, it, Marxism. It, 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 no one's allowed it, to have wealth Mar besides the government apparatus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and, and and it has an even deeper a deeper roots in in uh, in Western thought. You're going back back to Aristotle and, and stuff that you know for stuff that treats money as grubby. Anything you make with your hands is grub, whereas everything on a cosmic, philosophical, religious, spiritual level is is good. It's not. Um, one of the reasons charities in this country do so well is we've had a great business economy over the years that's Precisely. provided the funding. Look at the look at the money in the fund Ford Foundation is one example. Not that I like what the Ford Foundation does. I was about does. to say, yeah, too bad they've yeah. used it for such uh, unusual yeah, but purposes. But still, but, but yeah, but the idea is is both nonprofits and for profits working at the yin and the yang. You know, just working yes. in concert in, in in communities is is a is a good business model. I believe wholeheartedly in supporting businesses that they should do well. They should support their communities in many different ways. And the nonprofits are answerable for their success. You know, the people who run them should be answerable for how good of a job they do or not don't do in providing services in their communities. They are. And the last thing I'd say before we move on to the fifth principle is, you know, Yankee Institute really understands all that at a foundational level, which is why part of our mission is trying to make it easier for all of our, our wonderful, creative entrepreneurs and business owners to flourish, because we understand it's an indispensable part of a successful society where people are able to go be creative, create wealth, create value, and have a, a prospering society. It's it's a wonderful thing. It's not anything. Yeah, and the cultural Marxist thinking doesn't. They, they think everything is a, is a function of oppression by one group against another, and that profit is a result of oppression of, of um, people who are your workers. I mean, it, it's a bizarre thought process almost demonic i think and when you when you get right down to it it's really a terrible thought system but but it, it has superficial and appeal yeah and i mean can you imagine just going around with that in your mind all day long and it really uh lends itself that's why all this critical race theory and gender theory everything i mean when you start out with a foundational thought that oppression is all there is 
you know, when it's all you're looking for, it's all you're going to find. And it must be a terrible, terrible way to live. Yeah, it's, it's competition. I mean, where does competition, fair competition end and oppression begin? Like, like I'm not saying that you, there aren't very, I mean, look at the way the serfs were treated in our favorite country of the day, Russia, until what, 1871, when the serf, serfdom was abolished. I mean, serfdom was slavery. Right. And I mean, we still see that in certain parts of the world, even today, a fact that's conveniently overlooked by our friends on the left. Yeah. And in the United, in America of this day, uh, I don't want to get off topic here, but we have a remarkable self-correcting system in this country. Our governance system is like an algorithm with self-corrective terms built into it. If you let the system work by allowing true diversity of thought to find its way to an issue, <laughs> You know, and you argue on the merits, you argue on the merits, what's good and what's best, and then you move forward. Right. And that's why it's important for all of us to protect those procedures and those systems that allow different points of view to be aired and discussed publicly. Right. And the nonprofit sector is part of that part of that program directly. Yes. Okay. So principle five, rigorous governance management and ethical principles and practices at all levels within nonprofit and business organizations are essential to their success and longevity. The total is greater than the sum of its parts. Business organizations make a profit so that nonprofit organizations do not have to do so. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole is right. bigger than the sum of its parts. Right. That, that, I mean, that's a, a wonderful principle. And it's, I, you know, it's like spontaneous, spontaneous generation of new ideas and new phenomena that come from robust systems. Look, when I wrote this, and I had specific cases uh, in mind, you know, I mean, I, I saw nonprofits that were unethical as hell, frankly, you know, I, I can remember being solicited for interviewer contributions by one organization that was bankrupt in January. You know, I mean, I mean that in the worst case, I mean, the, the fact that you are a nonprofit and you've got this pristine, nice mission doesn't mean you're a good person running it. I mean, there although are all everywhere. of us at Yankee Institute are extremely good people, just throwing that out there. Right. No, no but, I'm kidding. You know, there are crooks. There are crooks in the nonprofit sector of as course. well, and, and there's no room. There's no room for them. And ethics makes a huge difference. It you know, does. I, in my mind, ethics is so vitally important and and uh, adhering to strict ethical principles about fairness and integrity are really important um you know you can it, it's the old adage it takes a thousand years to for a forest to grow but one match one ethical collapse can burn oh, the whole thing down yes you know and that equation so to speak is something i used to tell nonprofit directors all the time to keep in mind when when it came to supervising their management they overlook management to make sure they are doing things ethically it's so important. And uh, and I think all of these are really important. And as we wrap up, I mean, Jack, that's why we're grateful uh, for people like you who really try and teach nonprofits a better way to operate because they're such an indispensable part of our civil society. If nonprofits go away, all that's left is government. There are no more of these mediating institutions. Exactly right. And it's the mediating institutions that they and the role they play between government way up here and and private sector on the bottom is they serve great purposes. They are our churches, our daycare centers, our youth football leagues, our homeless shelters, our domestic violence programs, all those important parts of who we are are 
welcome and should be a function of a, of a very vital, robust, and well-managed nonprofit sector. And our nonprofit sector needs to improve. Well, thanks to you, I have no doubt that it will continue to do so. And we're grateful for the time you've spent with us here on YCT Matters. My pleasure, Carol. Keep up the good work at Yankee, and uh, I'll do everything I can to continue to support you. And let's keep up the cultural fight. All right. Thanks so much. And that's Jack Horak. Jack, if people want to find out more about Tango, where can they do so? Google it on the internet, www.tangoalliance.org. Again, thanks so much for being with us. And everyone, thank you so much for being with us for this edition of YCT Matters. This is Carol Platt-Lebow. We'll talk with you again next time. I'll show you around this place.